So we need okay. to step to World War One. Okay, there was World War One, and uh, there was uh, it was difficult for uh, folks to travel by ship between India and England. Okay, yeah. that's where our story starts. So uh, so far we've talked about these researchy and academia and stuff like that, right? Yeah. So uh, computers and internet used in the 1960s for doing grunt work. And one of the grunt work was payroll processing for the jute mills. Okay. Hello and welcome to Data Shadow, the podcast on all things data. This podcast is a series of conversations with experts and industry leaders in data. And each week, we aim to unpack a different compartment of the data suitcase. I'm your host, Karthik Shashidhar. I'm a blogger, newspaper columnist, book author, and a former data and strategy consultant. I currently head analytics and business intelligence for Delivery, one of India's largest logistics companies. You can follow me on Twitter at Karthik S, that is K-A-R-T-H-I-K-S, and read my blog at noenthuda.com, that is N-O-E-N-T-H-U-D-A.com. All opinions expressed in this podcast belong to me and my podcast guests, and I do not reflect the views of any organizations we might be associated with. Nothing discussed in this podcast should be taken as financial or legal advice. A few days back, I was watching Alma Matters, the Netflix documentary on life in IIT Kharagpur. In that show, graduating students talk about data analytics as a possible career path in case they fail to land a core engineering job. So how did we get here in India? How did data and analytics become so mainstream that graduating students talk about it as a possible career path? Or rather, as a backup possible career path? To understand this, we need to understand the history of what we now call analytics and this history goes back over a hundred years. Our guest today is N. Daya Sindhu, co-founder and CEO of Itihasa Research and Digital. For the last two decades, he has been working on R&D and innovation management, especially focused on IT. He is working on the evolution of business and technology focused on IT and related domains in the Indian context. In an earlier avatar, he was a consultant advising MNCs, setting up high-performance R&D and IT organizations in India. He was also a researcher in the R&D arm at Infosys and holds a couple of US patents. Let's just go very far back, right? So. So, so I guess the uh, uh, analytics in some sense is sort of, in India, it's connected to sort of uh, economics and, uh, uh, and industries and so on. So can you take us back, maybe all the way back to independence or something? So Karthik, we need to step really back, okay? So we need okay. to step to World War One. Okay, there was World War One, and uh, there was, uh, it was difficult for uh, folks to travel by ship between India and England. Okay, yep. that's where our story starts. Uh, there was a young gentleman by name uh, P.C. Mahalanobis. Okay, yep. so he did his tripos in uh, Cambridge, in the University of Cambridge, in physics, and uh, was set to return to uh, India. And, yep. uh, and World War I started, and his stay in India got extended. 
so just before he got to india uh he was with a tutor and the tutor uh, in you know so the tutor system is pretty interesting right so you are about a bunch of students and you sit with a tutor and you talk about everything under the sun and life and meaning of life and things like that so uh one of his tutors mentioned to him about uh a relatively new field and uh, interesting journal that's published in the field and this new field was statistics and the uh, journal was uh, biometrica okay, okay so uh, so pc malanobis uh, said that okay let me just say you know uh, read a few of these journals and he was so intrigued by what was published there and statistics in general that he bought a you know whole bunch of uh, you know old issues of biometrica on his way back to india and was studying them on the ship so the interesting fact for uh, folks in analytics uh, is that uh, biometrica was uh, founded started by this gentleman called carl pearson Okay, okay, Pearson okay. of yeah yeah the correlation coefficients, p values, yeah, yeah chi square, method of moments, and stuff like that, right? Okay, yep. So, uh, so, uh, so Mahalanobis was uh, you know he just uh, caught on to it and uh, you know fell in love with statistics. So he gets back to India and then uh, his uh, obviously his return back to England is delayed. So yep. he gets a, a faculty position at the Presidency College. and uh, in the due course he starts a lab called the statistics lab and this lab is essentially his office okay okay so so uh, the war ends he's comfortable in uh, calcutta teaching a bit of physics and uh, and studying a lot of uh, statistics and then uh, whoever is interested in statistics he offers courses on statistics to them and uh, soon uh, he is the uh, you know the studs of statistics in india and uh, of course. you know we have the uh, we have the bengal famine coming in and uh, mahalanobis was engaged by the government of bengal to estimate the uh, the uh, you know the amount of paddy that will uh, be harvested uh, in bengal and surrounding regions so he does a lot of uh, cool work there and uh, for this he uses uh, mechanical calculators right so at that point in time there no electronic calculators so he gets that and he gets a you know a bunch of people who are actually the computers uh, you know humans computing to uh, to crunch uh, all the uh, data that he has collected and uh, you know run the regressions and stuff like that so uh, in this context uh, he uh, he uh, realizes that statistics needs, needs to be established as a separate uh, subject so and uh, decides to uh, start a dot for profit which is isi india statistical ah, institute in okay. 1932 okay so so isi starts and then uh, he goes uh, you know uh, full thrust into uh, statistics and he's the first guy to import uh, electronic computer into india okay in uh, 1956 uh motivated by the fact that he was uh, you know he started what's now called the national sample survey which is essentially yep. a sample of indian households uh you know and uh, data collect- collected on what the households consume and where they spend their money and uh, and uh, you know how many people are there and how healthy are they and things like that okay so he starts that in the early 50s and in the mid 50s he is the you know he is the author of the second five year plan Yep. So there's a lot of uh, uh, you know analytics, econometrics going on. So the computer comes, which is a HEC 2M uh, from um, the uh, United Kingdom, 
And that's the first electronic uh, digital computer in India. So that's where uh, the entire, uh, uh, what shall I say, the, the discipline of statistics, analytics, and even computer science uh, to some extent started in India. So in some sense, statistics and analytics in India is like 100 years old. If, uh, if, if it was during the first world war that he made his journey back to India with Pearson's papers. Yes. So I have, but, uh, so when you were telling me his story, uh, two questions pop- popped into my head. First one was like when he established this IS, the not-for-profit which became ISI in 1932, did he manage to get other faculty members? And if so, like how, how did he re- recruit those fa- faculty members? Because I, I assume not too many people were studying statistics in India back, in, back at that point in time. And the second question is later on when he got the computer, was it a, uh, there's a famous story about how like Infosys wanted to kind of uh, import a computer into India and they had to kind of like uh, go through some uh, lots of hoops for that. Like how easy was it for Mahal Nobis to get his computer into uh, ISI from the UK? Okay, so the the first set of folks, as you rightly said, they're obviously not statistics folks, but uh, they were folks who were interested in statistics, but, but uh, had their training in uh, other subjects like uh, physics and math. Yeah. So, but they just you know uh, were students of uh, uh, Mahalanobis and were uh, you know intrigued, interested, and uh, and passionate about doing statistics. So they were the first uh, folks who were uh, teaching there and doing research in uh, ISI. So the 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 the, the compute the import of the computer was uh, uh, was uh, you know it's pretty straightforward because uh, Mahalanobis and uh, Pandit Nehru were uh, good friends. Yep. So he yep. could ensure that uh, you know that there was a uh, you know there was there were no uh, what shall I say uh, no obstacles in terms of foreign exchange and yep. uh, travel and things of like that required to uh, get a computer. So yeah. incidentally the. The second uh, computer in India was also to ISI. This time it was a computer from the USSR called the Ural. Okay. So this was a time when Mahalanobis was uh, starting to lean towards the left and uh, okay. and uh, decided that uh, you know he could he could get you know more bang for the buck by going in for a computer from the Eastern Bloc. So this is in 1959 or so, 58, okay. 59 when the computer landed there. So again, used for uh, statistics, largely for algebraic and statistical calculations. Got it. And I guess back then, since we were sort of a pseudo-socialist sort of mixed economy with with five-year plans and so on, I'm guessing that statistics would have formed a uh, it would be it would have been an important part for the government, right? Because like if you need to know how to allocate, if you want to know how to allocate resources, you need to be able to kind of tabulate the stuff well and get the information in the uh, in the right manner and uh, and so on so uh, so i can imagine say where mahalnobis contributions in that time why isi was so uh, pivotal in terms of the statistics uh, in india and, uh, oh absolutely i mean uh, he was uh, in some sense the father of the five year plans and yep. uh, in terms of doing large scale nation scale uh, surveys so uh, it was spot on and uh, that's the uh, and we are still following that uh, his legacy in terms of continuing, I mean, not with the five-year plans, but definitely with the uh, national sample survey and similar large surveys that we uh, conduct. Yep. Yep. Okay. So, and then like while ISI in Calcutta was like kind of importing its computers, it was doing its stats. Like, uh, I guess the other big scientific institute in India at that time was our Indian Institute of Science in Bangalore. So what was happening there? Was, was there some statistics work done there or like, was there some introduction to what we now know as analytics that was uh, kind of happening there and, uh, and so on. 
Yeah, no. So uh, this is uh, pretty interesting because uh, uh, the Indian Institute of Science uh, was at that time obviously the leading uh, player in science education in the country. Uh, yep. But they were also uh, getting uh, pretty big on engineering in the fifties. Okay. Uh, okay, so India newly independent and then required these engineers to kind of, uh, um, you know, uh, to, uh, to 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 ensure that some of the big projects that India was undertaking at that point in time in terms of uh, building physical infrastructure, the electrical infrastructure, and things like that, were required manpower, required research, and Indian Institute of Science was playing a big role there, and uh, Indian. Institute of Science, obviously, from uh, its uh, its founding days, always attracted a lot of uh, uh, foreign faculty who would come and spend uh, a year or two uh, teaching at, at uh, the institute. So, in uh, 1954-55, uh, it had a uh, you know a electrical engineering uh, professor from Wisconsin, Professor Rideout. So, uh, Rideout uh, apparently came to uh, Bangalore. With uh, with the reams of paper, with uh, with a whole set of pencils and pens and erasers, because he was not sure about what was available in Bangalore and if it was available, how long or how many he could buy. Okay, <laughs> so that's an interesting story about uh, about Professor Rideout. But he got something very interesting, uh, probably for the first time uh, in India, was that he got a transistor, an op amp. Okay. Okay, so the seven four ones that uh, we were all uh, used to in in our college labs, right? So seven four one, but not an integrated circuit, but a transistor. Yep. So he got that along, and uh, uh, one of the master students uh, there, uh, Raja Raman, uh, worked with him, and they built an analog circuit using the op amp, which could solve uh, linear differential equations. Okay. Okay. So an analog circuit where you could uh, look at the readings of the meter and then uh, uh, and then you know figure out that uh, what the uh, solution to the linear uh, differential equation was pretty complicated but uh, that's what it wow. I mean it's like a you know it's a it's a it's it, it's a seven eight foot uh, high board and about uh, four, sorry eight feet high and about uh, four feet wide okay. so that was how it was. And uh, after uh, uh, Professor Rideout left, he left the transistor back, and uh, Raja Raman added the uh, uh, the uh, nonlinear uh, differential circuits also. So it was actually a pretty uh, neat machine. Okay. And, and there were a couple of uh, PhD students who used this analog computer to uh, complete their calculations on things like uh, you know uh, vibrations of columns in civil engineering. Okay. Or in terms of uh, calculating transients, which are nothing but uh, sudden spikes in uh, AC current. So these guys actually use the computer to do these things. So here you have a context of an engineering analytics. Yep. Because previously people you you know used electrical calculators or mechanical calculators to do it, and now you have a machine which could be uh, you know which could be uh, kind of plugged in. The circuit could uh, you know would be your problem. Which would uh, be solved. So uh, this probably was the first time when uh, when India was using analytics to solve engineering problems. So it's fifty years old, more than fifty years old, using analytics to solve. Uh, engineering yeah, problems. about yeah, mid fifties. Okay. Yes. And how far behind were we compared to, let's say, the uh, Western countries in terms of the use of analytics for engineering problems and things like that back then? So, 
this was a time okay so the uh, the use of uh, uh, digital computers to solve uh, to solve uh, engineering problems was just just towards the end of the second world war okay. and the and the first problem which was solved was probably the uh, uh, projectile problem yep so uh, so if if i'm having a howitzer kind of a gun uh, so where would my uh, uh, my ammunition land given different kinds of uh, wind velocities and different yep. directions okay so previously these uh, uh, you know the uh, the soldiers used to carry uh, a booklet which used to do you know which used to have all the calculations with them okay and uh, it was done by hand and uh, not very accurate so this computer could do it for different models of these howitzer uh, guns and it could be it would be made into a booklet and given to these the soldiers so that was the probably the first uh, real life problem uh, solved so this was the eniac at the university of pennsylvania so yep yep okay so okay so it happened in the mid early mid 40 so in india we were using this in the 50 so we weren't that far behind if you think about it technologically because of yes like- no ha so we weren't you know we weren't lagging back by that many years at all okay okay Okay, so I think like uh, from the way I look at it, like we are looking at all the sort of the eminent scientific institutes in India. Like we started off with ISI, then we moved to IISC, now TFR, and we see that all of them have sort of played their own big parts in in sort of furthering analytics, as we now call it. I mean, like uh, back then, nobody bothered calling it analytics. So, so and then what happened? Um, uh, where does the story go? Right. Now? So, uh, a couple of interesting stories before I kind of uh, move on to the next, uh, uh, you know, uh, the next uh, phase. So, yeah. uh, the uh, the person who uh, who uh, you know we mentioned in IISC, uh, Raja Raman. Yeah. He went on to do a PhD in US. Came back as a young faculty in IIT Kanpur. Yeah. And he was a faculty in charge of the center in IIT Kanpur. Yeah, and uh, he was the person who started the first uh, MTech electrical engineering with a specialization in computer science. Okay, and he was the person who started the first BTech program in computer science in India in Kanpur, in 1978. Okay, okay, so there is a connect between Raja Raman and a lot of things, and it doesn't end there. So one of the students in the 1978 batch of for the first batch of computer science at IIT Kanpur uh, yeah. was a young kid called Rajiv Motwani. Okay, the Stanford who, guy who did his uh, PhD in Berkeley, yes, Stanford, and yep. co-wrote a paper on page rank algorithm with uh, yep. two of uh, students in Stanford, and you know who they are, yeah, of course. and Brin uh, uh, and Page, and then uh, he was a board member at Google. And when we talk about analytics in the current context, one of the companies that are leaders in uh, you know. uh the big analytics uh, that's like you know what uh, planet scale and stuff like that is obviously google so there is yep. a bit of a india connection there so yep. and i think uh, motwani uh, tragically passed away a few years back i think he had an yes. accident at yes. home and uh, passed away so uh, i i remember yeah. actually reading uh, so both motwani and raja raman i, I think i had prescribed text by them during my btech in computer science i think there was a elements of oh, yeah. computers that raja raman had written which was our yes. text for our introduction to commu- computing the uh, course for all the students at iit madras like the, that was our uh, nobody bothered to buy the book but that was our uh, 
prescriptics. And then like we had some algo books by Motwani and I forget who the co-authors were later on. Right. So, right. Yeah. So they are doyens of uh, computer education. I mean, Raja Raman is literally the uh, person who also, uh, uh, who also uh, gave a, gave the government a report uh, yep. which essentially said that we need to start this program called an MCA. So if you're looking at these lakhs of MCAs, uh, uh, you know, yep. coming out of uh, Indian universities, they all have to thank uh, Professor Rajaram. Wow. Okay. Okay. It's sometimes it's interesting when you go back, how the origin stories are somehow sort of constricted, right? There are a few key people here and there whose names sort of pop up uh, all over the place or people they have been associated with, they would have created an impact like, uh, you, men- you mentioned Motwani and uh, uh, people like that uh, and so on. Sure. Yeah. And it's fascinating because the, the first batch of uh, BTEC in Kanpur, yep. uh, they said that the overall strength of BTEC is a constant, right? Okay. So yep. Rajaraman literally had to go and beg his colleagues, hey, give me one seat from your department, give me uh, two seats from your department. And that's why it started off with about 20 seats, slightly less than that. Okay. And uh, uh, very soon to the, uh, to the bewilderment of the other faculty, computer science was attracting the best of the best. So, yep. yep. So any other sort of famous names from that batch apart from Motwani, is, is there anyone like who? Uh, okay. So uh, Motwani is definitely uh, one person there, but then uh, Motwani wasn't the PGM from that batch. Okay. So that, uh, the PGM from that batch is a Bangalorean, uh, Srinivas Prasanna, who's a faculty at Triple ITB. Okay. So he went to uh, Motwani, went to uh, Berkeley, and uh, Prasanna went to MIT and uh, Bell Labs. And uh, his patents probably uh, powered, uh, I don't know, a few hundred million, a billion dollars of revenue for Bell Labs. And uh, he's a Bangalorean and uh, works at Triple ITB. So, okay. So, so Bangaloreans can be proud. So very interesting. <laughs> very, very interesting. Okay. Now, now that we, now let's come back to the story. We were talking about, uh, uh, I think we, we spoke about Raja Raman in the IASC context when he was a master's student. Then we spoke about TAFR and then where, where did it go? Where did sort of analytics and related stuff go? Okay. So, uh, so far we've talked about these researchy and academia and stuff like that, right? Yeah. So uh, computers in India were used in the 1960s for doing grunt work. And one of the grunt work was payroll processing for the jute mills. Okay. So it's uh, interesting uh, because people would ask why jute mills? Because uh, in most states, jute mill workers had to be paid on a weekly basis. And yep. if not, there would be strikes. And the strike would go on for nothing less than a couple of weeks or a month. So uh, the owners of the jute mills uh, wanted to ensure that payroll was processed correctly and on time. And uh, the IBM guys would process it in a centralized center. At the end of the week, they would go and uh, give it to the jute mill management and they would uh, use pay the workers, right? So it was just doing uh, basic uh, arithmetic stuff or doing it correctly. So the first instance of some uh, analytics kind of work or an interesting decision uh, work was done by the PSU steel mills. Okay. And uh, it, there was an uh, IBM, uh, for, uh, you know, 1401, which was used to uh, schedule production of, the, of a type of steel based on the demand. An analysis of the demand was done. And then a, pro- a production schedule was, uh, was formulated using the 1401 machine. 
IBM Reno 1 machine. So this was probably the first time when there was a decision that was made with the help of a computer or, uh, or you know, uh, modern analytics, if you can call it at that point in time. So it was modern analytics in 1960s would be different now, but this was yeah. the first in instance when a model was made to uh, determine uh, what kind of uh, uh, production mix would be there at the steel factories. Yeah, I mean... So, uh, so this is the mid-60s, okay? Yeah. So, uh, so OR was just coming to, uh, to you know, coming into mainstream in, in the US as well at this point in time. Yeah. And uh, there were uh, obviously folks... Um, uh, you know, from India who had uh, traveled to US for doing their uh, higher studies and PhDs, especially in, uh, in, uh, in management schools and in industrial engineering schools at that point in time. Yep. So a couple of them uh, were, uh, were Lalit Kanodia and uh, Nathan Patel. They joined a division of uh, Tata Sons called TCS, Tata Consultancy Services, so yep. which was an internal unit doing work for uh, for their own group companies, for Tata Sons, uh, uh, you know, uh, companies. So these guys said that, hey, now I think uh, we can also expand our uh, our target to companies outside of the, uh, outside of the Tata group. Yeah. And uh, we have, you know, we can do multiple stuff. We can uh, do uh, management consulting. We can do uh, IT consulting. We can also do some turnkey work by using computers and then, uh, uh, giving just the uh, results to the uh, customers. And, uh, you know, I, I looked at one of the brochures at that point in time. So okay. 19, early 1968, this was a time when uh, uh, Mr. Kohli hadn't joined TCS. Okay. So okay. this was just still a very nascent uh, young bunch there. So uh, I'm just reading out one uh, particular sentence from that brochure, early okay. 1968. So it says that uh, the scientific approach the direction of data, their analysis, and uh, a deep understanding of the mechanics of business that result from an OR study all contribute to making business decisions uh, less uncertain or at least to remove some of the uncertainty in the mind of the decision maker. And then it continues to say, since the number of alternative choices in a decision process can be very large, a computer comes in very handy in providing fast and accurate answers. So this is 1968. Yeah. And if you could just, you know, change the language a little bit, it can be used in any brochure today. I, I can use so, it today. I can totally use it. Today. I mean, right now I don't need to, I don't need to sell the use of computers to anyone. So I, I but if I had to, I mean, I would, I would definitely use this now. now. Extremely forward thinking. Right. Yeah. So it's fascinating. It's fascinating to see how, uh, you know, these guys are really pioneers and, you know, trying to convince uh, Indian companies to use OR, use analytics and, uh, you know, and also in some sense, pushing the use of computers. So this is, uh, one interesting, uh, you know, uh, connection here is that a young statistician was part of this group, this okay. TCS group. Okay. So uh, his name was KRS Murthy. Okay. So he was part of the group and rings a bell, right? So yeah. uh, KRS Murthy does some interesting stuff. He goes and gets his master's from MIT, a PhD from Harvard Business School, comes back, joins his faculty of uh, IIM Ahmedabad. But the most interesting thing was that he comes as a director of IIM Bangalore in 1992. Okay. And he shifts the orientation of IIM Bangalore from a sectoral public sector focus to a typical B school right, ah, in terms okay. of a management functional focus. 
right and yep. uh, i am bangalore becomes the first b school uh, last year to la- launch an mba in analytics yep, yep. so so it's uh, it's a small connection between the tcs of uh, the late 60s and then the modern analytics uh, education in india yep okay so imb is the first uh, uh, first one to launch this it's a formal mba in analytics right it's not like one of these sort of a short term course or no no it's not a certificate program no it's a two year uh, mba full time and uh, it's a specialization in analytics so okay interesting very interesting okay now let's uh, so so you mentioned that tcs sort of like marketed this use of analytics use of or in industries and so on but back then we were a sort of a highly controlled economy and so on so was there much demand for this from other companies or because the returns to efficiency was not very high right so uh, yeah so uh, see they were doing pretty interesting work but obviously you know if you have a, a supply constraint in terms of license raj Yep. then uh, there's only so much that uh, analytic methods can do uh, advising uh, you know textile mills on uh, what is the most profitable blend of uh, cotton that you can use for your product line and they were advising uh, you know transmission companies in terms of where they need to locate their uh, transmission towers yep so and they were doing obviously some uh, sales forecasting for consumer durables and okay. quite a few of these companies were like uh, you know tomco was uh, they know their own good company and uh, yep. uh, tata electric was also theirs so uh, but the mills were obviously calico quite a few other mills which were uh, you know which were third party companies as well so okay. they did uh, you know do some uh, cool work at that point in time uh, so it was not only tcs there was also another interesting uh, company at this time which was uh, doing this analytics work which was called operations research group Okay. it was a company founded in 61 based in baroda okay. uh, founded by none other than vikram sarabhai okay so vikram sarabhai is a, a you know kind of a polymath i mean yes. he's got his hands in uh, in uh, right from the indian space program to yep. cosmic ray research to prl physical laboratories yep and uh, you know so he uh, he started this to ensure that the uh, the industries in gujarat especially the uh, you know the uh, textile industries and the uh, chemical industries chemical and pharma industries had a, a good grounding in uh, scientific management to make their decisions okay so uh, so this was started in baroda of all places and uh, and obviously the connection between uh, org vikram sarabhai is i am uh, amdabad amdabad yep so yep. Uh, yes so uh, uh, you know at some time in the early genesis time of uh, the first few years of i am amdabad there was a lot of uh, interaction between uh, i am amdabad and uh, uh, org okay and uh, i am amdabad incidentally is the first b school in india to uh, get computer so they got a computer in the late 60s okay. it was the uh, hp 2116b which was a tabletop computer it was a mini computer at that time okay. a very nice machine and uh, the motivation was that uh, harvard business school had this computer so harvard uh, so ima said that uh, uh, let's get this uh, computer for brilliant for uh, for ima Okay. and professor krishnaya was the uh, was the person who got it and the computer center manager for this uh, hp2116b was none other than a gentleman called uh, narayan murthy nr narayan yeah. murthy okay that explains it i recently watched an interview of his on uh, tv on some kannada news channel so 
and there he spoke about going to ahmedabad after his graduation from uh, from iit kanpur to uh, but he didn't explain what work he did at ima so uh, so he was heading the computer center there okay so, like for me 80s was also when sort of like in some sense big tech started coming into india right like i mean uh, ti i think opened their office in india in uh, 81 if i'm not wrong and uh, so so i guess like analytics also in terms of like uh, uh, offshoring and like uh, uh, working for uh, western companies that also would have started around the same time yeah no you just spot on so uh, this is still continuing with the with the rajiv gandhi uh, peace when he became the uh, prime minister he was uh, you know he was the person who made a couple of visits quick visits to the uh, in quick su- succession to the us so he okay. was us late 5 and 87 if i'm not mistaken so he had a great rapport with uh, president reagan and the uh, relationship uh, between india and the us thought so this was also the time and from uh, you know from the early 80s i think uh, there was a lot more action uh, uh, you know of the american mncs in india and then they knew that india was a uh, you know was a friendly place to do business in and things like that so um, so one company which was present in india but uh, was uh, had a very small operation was the amex the retail bank yeah right so in 1983 they decided to uh, start their uh, their uh, cards division in india okay. so uh, like all good american banks they recruited uh, folks for the you know for marketing the cards and also for the back end uh, processing and uh, these uh, uh, you know and 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 uh, they recruited some pretty uh, smart uh, folks including one person by name robin roy uh, okay. for their uh, processing of credit cards so he was a chartered accountant and uh, and uh, you know so so the, the number of chartered accountants at the back end uh, card processing in uh, in amex grew and very soon they were just not doing the uh, the routine processing that you would do for a card but also doing some interesting stuff like uh, uh, risk and credit analytics and stuff like that so this impressed the uh, the uh, the the folks in hq okay because they were getting some uh, some super quality work done at 50% of the cost so uh, sometime in the mid uh, uh, 80s late 80s uh, amex back office uh, in india in delhi was doing all the back office work for amex cars in the apac region okay so uh, that was probably the first time that uh, this uh, you know the whole concept of uh, of a back office from india started off and uh, and one of the things that that happened in the uh, prime minister's visit to the us was that uh, was that he supposed to have met up with uh, jack welch of ge okay and obviously jack welch wanted to sell more into india and some of the uh, advisors of the prime minister including uh, sam fitroda and jairam ramesh was to have uh, told him that hey you know that's nice but why don't you also pick up some uh, software services from us from india yep so that was a time when ge decided to uh, offshore to india and uh, and uh, the beneficiaries were all the uh, indian it companies at that time uh, including uh, tcs infosys wipro so uh, so uh, ge was 
pretty impressed with the kind of work that was getting done out of uh, india and the kind of uh, quality levels and the kind of uh, folks working on their projects and decided that by 1997 they decided that they should come in and uh, start their own subsidiary in india okay. so uh, this is pretty interesting right so it is considered uh, not as core as uh, business processes yeah so they were happy outsourcing it to indian um, service providers but they decided to set up the captive to primarily do their uh, business processing work so where their own uh, you know companies data would land here and uh, people would be working on uh, on that yep so um, they started off with bpo routine kind of stuff like you know transaction processing and uh, uh, ledgers and accounting and things like that and uh, uh, and then they decided that what else can can we do here i mean we are happy doing uh, all this stuff and uh, and uh, they wanted to figure out what else they could do and in 1998 they decided to uh, start uh, their uh, analytics division which was essentially management decision making yep and uh, they figured out that uh, maybe we could try uh, doing that in india in a small way so uh, so this required a lot of uh, quantitative skills and stuff like that so um, li- like you know uh, we saw earlier so where do you go for statistics it is isi yep. and uh, they apparently went first to isi delhi then isi calcutta and uh, got a few folks from there they went to uh, delhi school of economics got a few folks from there yes and uh, you know then they uh, i think they did something pretty interesting so they asked the uh, the uh, the sales office of a couple of uh, products that were used to uh, do these uh, uh, you know statistical uh, calculations sas was one of them and sps was so spss was another SPSS, one yep. so they asked them so where do you yeah where do you sell 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 these uh, where do you sell your software which uh, colleges universities buy it okay so uh, they were supposed to have uh, you know got a reply that uh, i am uh by you know some of our packages so they yep. get to the iams they figure out that the fpms are working in, on these packages and and so they recruit them from the iams into their uh, analytics centers so that was the genesis of uh, analytics in uh, jekis so which stands for g capital international services in 1998 so they yep. were the first captive to do analytics work in uh, in india so they were doing some cool work for all their group companies g consumer finance g money g capital g commercial finance predictive risk modeling supply demand intelligence and what not so yeah some cool stuff so it would have been probably during your time at imb that like they started like these analytics firms started hiring from their mgs like jekis yes yeah. first for fpms yes. and then for pgps i'm guessing right so uh, you know so it was uh, the, the the there was so much of a demand for people who knew spss and sas that you know uh, they were in a, you know people were you know you know uh, okay even if you could work part time okay because they were really not getting folks who who knew some of the methods as well as the tools at that point in time so uh, yeah that was the time when it all started with uh, jekis so this again so another interesting thing is that this was a time when uh, when the word kpo came into play yes uh, this yes. is actually a report by evalue sir so yep. which kind of combined analytics and uh, and uh, some of the secondary market research and uh, uh, 
uh, in general, uh, you know, secondary research that you do to put up uh, slides and reports and things like that, all yep. that got bundled into one larger segment called KPO. I mean, yep. people understood BPO. Yep. So KPO became a, a, an easy thing, especially for investors and, and clients to understand. Yep. So uh, the largest segment was obviously the uh, secondary research, secondary uh, research that was getting done. And the second largest segment was analytics, but it was the fastest growing and it was also probably the most profitable of the segments. Okay, so after this, so so, the, so who who came next after Jekis? So uh, after Jekis, there were uh, you know there were uh, three typical uh, threads that were happening. Okay, so one was that uh, uh, with Jekis in in the mid two uh, thousands uh, was uh, divested. So G yeah. divested Jekis. I think it was Genpact. about uh, two thousand five. Yeah, it became Genpact and private equity bought bought them over. Yep. So at this point in time. Uh, uh, the IT service providers felt that, uh, okay, we have uh, moved into BPO and uh, now let's uh, move into something which is, uh, you know, which is uh, higher margin than BPO, which is analytic services. Yep. So because they saw that, uh, uh, you know, that uh, uh, Jekis, uh, which was a captive and, uh, and so that probably it's not as core as what it was and some of the uh, analytic stuff probably could be outsourced. Yes. So the... Uh, the uh, the IT services guys got in, and the genesis and the genesis of the teams. If you look at it, in all the IT service providers, they're all folks who are moving uh, out of uh, uh, JK's pack Yep. So they were the guys who were staffing the uh, the uh, these uh, these IT services companies. There were also uh, uh, you know a few startups in the early two thousands. Uh, one was a company based of Delhi called uh, Market RX. Yeah. So which was uh, essentially uh, uh, working into you know marketing analytics and a little bit of uh, I think uh, healthcare life sciences yeah. if I'm not mistaken they got picked up by Cognizant yeah and yeah. the other one was a was a Bangalore based company called uh, Marketix which was smaller yeah. Yeah. and they were again into marketing analytics so they were based out of Indranagar and uh, they got picked up by uh, Excel and the WNS. Yeah. WNS yeah which yeah. EXL and WNS uh, was uh, you know uh, merged. Uh, so uh, it's pretty uh, uh, interesting because I was living in Indranagar at that time. And uh, okay. so the evenings I used to uh, uh, take a jog. I mean, it's, traffic wasn't bad at all. So I would take a jog in the evenings and then uh, drop by at, a, uh, you know, at, a, at, at a, you know, a beer place which had a which had an Iyengar bakery also. So the guy used to, you know, give me the puffs. And so I used to be, uh, uh, you know, uh, having my beer and my puff. And there used to be some of these uh, guys from uh, Marketix used to land up there and they used to be discussing and things like that. So I remember okay. one evening when, uh, you know, I just used to listen and that's it. So I just used to, you know, uh, log off. But uh, I think they were making some, uh, some you know, pretty ridiculous statements about uh, using uh, cluster analysis to solve something. And I just couldn't, you know, hold myself. So... <laughs> I went and told them that boss don't use cluster for this, use discriminant analysis. So this is going to, you know, so they were like, I mean, who's this bugger with a beer bottle coming and telling us what kind of technique we should use? Didn't so, they offer you a job? So then they were very uh, curious to know, you know, uh, how do I know all these things? And, uh, you know, was I working for Jekis uh, or something? And uh, okay. they were first a little bit paranoid about this. So I told them that, no, no, I'm an 
you know, IT guy working for Infosys and stuff like that. And then they said, okay, yeah, yeah, this guy is a harmless guy and all that stuff. But they were very intrigued about how I knew about all these things. Okay. So I had to tell them then. And then, uh, you know, how things uh, go in India, right? So there's like one guy said, uh, sir, I will come every evening here. So please let me know whether I'm doing the right thing. So it was uh, pretty hilarious. So anyways, I think uh, those were heady times. Yep. So, yep. Uh, no, I think I had, so that was, time, I think I had applied for a job to marketing at some point in time. And then like, okay. uh, and then they sent me a test, which was full of uh, marketing jargon. And so I, okay. I, I called up the HR and said like, I'm uh, not taking this forward. This, this reminds me of the, of the things that, uh, that, uh, you know, the physics guys do, right? So they talk physics to the math guys. I think it's something like that, that happens in analytics. You talk domain to the guys who, you know, that don't understand the domain. And then you talk uh, stats to the guys who understand the domain. So actually what I found is that in, at least in my career over the last 10 years, what I found is that like, it's easier to talk. Uh, I mean, while if you want to sound impressive or to do some kind of suit sales, then like it might make sense to talk the other thing. But I think I've, uh, in terms of sales, what I found in the last 10 years is that like you just talk the guy's language. You talk tech to the tech guy and business to the business guy and so on. But, but yeah, I guess different people have their own strategies. So it's a... Right, right. Oh, oh but by the way, so there's one more startup as well that still continues, Fractal Analytics. Yes. So I think they started off as an analytics partner for HDFC Bank. Okay. And uh, they still are around as an analytics company. So they kind of, uh, uh, you know, stood, uh, you know, with the distance. Uh, there were also a couple of uh, similar companies. One was uh, uh, People Research, uh, okay. which I think uh, got uh, picked up by ICICI One Source or something. And I think there's another one which was Crystal, uh, which was. Yep. So they were a few, they were also, I mean, so just to say that they were, uh, uh, you know, analytic services companies focused on the domestic market as well. So, yep. And like Fractal, I guess the other big one in that uh, segment is uh, Musigma, which, yes. uh, which again Musigma continues. Was, yeah, two, right, right. 2004, five, they started and uh, Musigma was the, was, was the, uh, you know, it's, it's an interesting, uh, uh, you know, case study for me because they were the guys who actually scaled up big time, yeah. right? Yes. So, you know, one keeps uh, hearing about how the Indian IT services providers scaled up in the late nineties uh, and early two thousands. So I think yeah. New Sigma did that in the analytics space. So they okay. had a very formalized uh, training in their, you know, they called it, I think the New Sigma university or New Sigma Academy. And then they would, you know, get these, uh, uh, freshers and uh, both from uh, and schools and then convert them into this analytics professionals. So in, uh, in, uh, you know, some of the notables in, uh, in the financial services domain, uh, were fidelity. So uh, yep. sometime in the late two thousands doing marketing analytics, uh, customer acquisition, lifecycle management, cross sell, upsell, and things like that. Yep. Then you had uh, Goldman. Uh, Goldman was known for its fraud analytics and uh, those kinds of uh, uh, you know uh, analytics uh, domains. Yep. Then HSBC again a lot of marketing analytics, uh, computer uh, uh, you know uh, hardware makers, HP and Dell for their sales analytics forecasting. Yep. Yep. And you had uh, retailers like Target that were doing things from merchandising, forecasting, inventory management, sign management. And of course, had uh, interesting companies like uh, L Brands, I think would be pretty popular on the campus. 
doing marketing analytics and uh, among their brands is uh, you know the uh, uh, famous victoria secret so so all of them doing some interesting analytics here so that's the uh, captives yep and then we have indian companies also uh, getting big on analytics uh, Uh, but but hul i mean uh, um, is uh, is an outlier here because even in the late 80s and 90s yep they were doing what was uh, what they called as market insights okay which was uh, nothing but uh, pretty advanced uh, uh, you know quantitative uh, uh, marketing research so they had a team from the uh, from the 90s but grew a lot faster and bigger in the 2000s and uh, png created an uh, uh, in uh, you know uh, analytics coe singapore so quite a few folks from uh, india moved to png singapore to uh, yep. be a part of uh, analytics uh, coe hcfc uh, uh, among the you know private banks started off with an analytics division uh, doing crowd analytics and marketing analytics uh, they were uh, pretty uh, you know uh, pretty big on analytics in the 2000s so 2001 i remember that uh, that uh, in the indian campuses uh, uh, in the b school campuses there was uh, imb uh, capital one uh, yep. for their us operations recruited uh, uh, us analytics operations recruited a few folks and uh, it was a big thing because you know at that at that time one of the popular case studies was that uh, that capital one could decide within a minute uh what whether to give uh you know the prospect a credit card or not yep and if yes what was the credit limit for that uh, uh for that prospect yep so uh it was good to see uh, you know some folks from um, from imb travel to us to work for uh, capital one yep and uh, this is an interesting uh, you know this is an interesting connection there so one of the guys who got picked up to work in capital one came back worked in uh, genpack and symphony genpack and uh, the, and then in 2010 uh, gaurav gaurav vora started a uh, a training company called jigsaw okay so this was probably the first company in uh, uh, india to uh, to focus on uh, training folks on analytics okay so i think their first course was uh, uh, was something on uh, on uh, doing analytics with sas so they realized that you know we have to teach folks the concepts of uh, the methods of analytics and also focus on the tools and tools was sas because that was uh, probably the market leader at that time yep so yep. Uh, so this was in 2010 and 2008 9 was not a great year for indian it right based of on the uh, global financial yeah so there are a lot of guys uh, uh, the you know the the software engineers with maybe up to 4 5 years experience thinking that they need to continue the it path or whether they need to do something else so these kinds of programs gave them the uh, the to move from it into analytics and that yes. again propelled a lot of people into the like uh, mid career it people started doing these courses to the hope of shifting into analytics because obviously analytics is sort of you at some levels you are paid better than uh, software engineering and so on oh yes uh, i think i mean i remember uh, you know an analysis uh, 
where uh, for the company at least so uh, this would have been uh, say uh, mid 2000s or something at that time frame i think it was a uh, pretty uh, i remember the numbers because it's easy to remember huh? not because yep. of anything else so bpo was something like usd 20k per annum okay was the kind of uh, revenue per employee yep. and it was about 40k per annum and yep. analytics was 60k per annum okay so the ebitda for uh, uh, for analytics was highest you know upwards of 30% or something so uh, it was uh, uh, you know it was definitely uh, you know it worked both ways so uh, i mean yes. since the uh, companies were getting a, a you know a higher revenue per capita so they could also offer to uh, pay you slightly more than uh, i guess the other two streams yep and and even now i find right like i mean like as as in when i recruit for analytics i find that like you you, you find mid career software engineers who would have done a course in analytics looking to jump and so on because it's the same 40k to 60k kind of uh, jump whatever you translate that to uh, indian salaries now and uh, uh, things like that i guess let's change tracks a little bit now i i just want to understand from you like what analytics professionals professionals are like in india like in terms of like uh, do you uh, i don't know how much work you have done in terms of like comparing analytics people in india to, uh, to elsewhere and so on or if you could like how over what like how do you characterize the analytics professionals like how do they work and like is that uh, how, how is that different from let's say like uh, software engineering or their counterparts uh, abroad and so on uh, see uh, uh, so uh, this is based on my uh, interactions with folks who been working in analytics for the past 20 years at least yep okay so uh, the first uh, you know thing that uh, uh, that that strikes me with these guys is that they are comfortable with the domain i mean it could be that you know they are in uh, cpg or fmcg as we call it uh, yep. they would be comfortable in that industry and they would be comfortable with the uh, methods uh, the uh, you know the market research methods or the uh, operations management uh, methods or uh statistical methods and they would be comfortable using tools yep uh, you know sas and then they move on to r and stuff like that right so they are it's yep uh, the uh, the other one that i've observed with them uh, is that and this probably might be a difference between the folks who are just coming into the uh, uh, profession and folks who've been around is that these guys are very parsimonious in terms of uh, their independent variables okay so they do some kind of an uh, you know some heuristics intuition and then they figure out that okay you know i know that i'm collecting uh, you know these uh, these uh, 70 odd variables yeah. but i think these 15 are the ones that need to go into my model okay uh, okay because i know that you know how these 15 can at least directionally impact the dependent variable and so okay this is what it's going to be i okay. don't want to crowd my model with the rest of uh, the uh, uh, the 70 plus okay so maybe this is changing when uh, you use uh, machine learning and stuff like that but i'm talking about tra- traditional uh, statistical methods okay, okay. so uh, these uh, folks use analytics even when uh, they need not use analytics or okay. where, where there is no expectation for them to use analytics uh, so i know folks in management consulting who do a lot of number crunching 
but they smart enough not to uh, not to put these uh, stuff uh, in a deliverable slide but they present this in nice pictorial form or in 2 by 2s okay so okay. i think there are so so i think that uh, uh, for some uh, folks uh, you know uh, they may not be analytics folks but they are doing analytics and uh, it's probably a state of mind a frame of mind yeah so which i find pretty interesting and uh, and finally i think there are a lot of uh, folks who are uh, who are related to the previous point is that uh, closet uh, analytics professionals okay so they are not working in analytics departments so they are working in sales marketing they are working as uh, as uh, leadership guys they are working as uh, uh, supply chain guys but at heart they are analytics guys for listening to data shatter if you like this show please leave a comment share and subscribe to the podcast you can find this podcast on apple podcast spotify or wherever else you go to get your podcasts once again this is karthik signing off thank you